Just in case our name Clit Talk wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. Today on Clit Talk, we're going to ask the dear Abby of hot sex absolutely anything we want, and she has a special gift for all of you. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Welcome to Clit Talk. The Pleasure Positive Podcast, where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex that you wish you got, and then some. This first season of Clit Talk is inspired by Regina Thomas Shower, creatrix of the School of Womanly Arts, leader of the Pleasure Revolution, and author of her New York Times bestselling book, Pussy, A Reclamation. So our incredible guest today is the champion and advocate for couples craving more passionate relationships. She has over 20 online sexuality programs and over 20 published books. She's the CEO of Personal Life Media, a happily married woman and mother. Please welcome our sexpert for today, Susan Bratton. Hello, sexy women. So... With the the orgasm conversation, I have a couple questions. Um, One, you talk about bridging the orgasm gap. Could you say more about what that is? Yeah. Um, There are so many things that hold us back from from coming. And a lot of them are the context that Emily Nagoski talks about, how it's very important for us to be in a safe environment where we can really let go and and surrender to our pleasure. So that's, to me, that's ground zero in being able to come. And the second is to really know about engorgement and all of the parts and get, and giving yourself, not rushing sex, not, and are we talking about orgasms from penetration here? Because that's what the orgasm gap is that 90% of the time guys can come from intercourse and maybe half the time some of us can sometimes come. You know, if every condition is right, there's new relationship energy. I don't feel like my butt looks fat, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I was totally turned on and I finally had a friggin' orgasm from intercourse, you know, but that's like a chance rather than reliable, confident, Awesome. I love to have my man inside me when we're face to face and he's close and we're kissing and looking each other in the eyes and he's in me and it feels good and the strokes are just right. And I'm just coming and coming and coming from intercourse. And a lot of sex educators say, hey, intercourse is overrated. It's not for everybody, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's not for everybody, but it's for almost everybody because Number one, if you're at, if, if you, if you're a woman and you like to have sex with a man, you need to learn how to have really great orgasms from intercourse because that's what feels best to him. And in all honesty, of all the orgasms I have, whether it's mouthgasms, G spot, squirting, or female ejaculation, or oral, or whatever, I have awesome, awesome orgasms from all of those. If you have really incredible soul connection, love making, 
intercourse and you are coming like crazy. To me, that, that, just to me, that's, it's monumental. That is sacred sex. That is pure surrendered pleasure. And you can just keep going and going and going with that. Especially if you have a, a man who knows how to do male multiple orgasm, you know, if he understands how to bring that turn on up into his body, if he understands that he doesn't just come and ejaculate, like that's like the fact that women are modeling that and the fact that that's what guys think is an orgasm is still so sad to me. If you Google male orgasm on Google, there ain't nothing there for that. Like guys are really left in the dust as far as orgasm. They're like happy with that one little orgasm that they have you know they're like it's good to me it's all right this is to me it's the same as <laughs> the spoon um, you know guys that are fine being circumcised if i was a circumcised man i'd be so pissed off that someone cut off the most sensitive part would be like a clitorectomy you know so like guys their day is coming right now us women we're just trying to figure out how to come when they fuck us and it is mm-hmm. totally possible it takes practice erectile tissue getting it engorged getting the context right Getting your boundaries stated in advance and understanding that you can say anything that you need to say, that you can stop and take breaks, you can rest, get a drink of water, that you're, that you're free to take your pleasure for as long as it takes to achieve it, um, to be able to find that. And in all honesty, do not underestimate the male species. They live to give this to us. They want this more than anything in the world. Anything in the world is to pleasure their woman. They will go without. They're like a mother with child and not enough food. They will go without to give you pleasure if you just help them do it. And so if you come together as a couple like, hey, we're in this together. Let's figure it out. That can be a really great experience in bridging the orgasm gap. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And when when you say a man and a woman, I'm just curious, do all those things apply to the masculine and feminine when it comes to those people who, you know, like for me, I, I feel like I'm half and half. Yep. Um, and for some women, they're very masculine and vice versa. So, so does that do, does that apply across the board just for masculine and feminine energy? Everybody is totally different. Everybody's on a scale, but there's this thing called testosterone and estrogen. And if you're an estrogen dominant person, which means you're usually female, then you have a different way. Uh, Estrogen is kind of like, you know, a little bit all over everywhere. It needs a lot of different stimulation. It needs light. It needs heavy. It needs this. It needs that. It's not so goal-oriented, where testosterone is very much more goal-oriented, straightforward. It, you know, it, it wants to get in you and get done. You know, that's what it does. And so, yes, and no. <laughs> it's, an impo- it's an impossible question to answer. I can't answer it. All I can tell you is that, you know, the estrogen and the testosterone, they come together and they're a fabulous combination. So is estrogen and estrogen. And one person might be more masculine. One person might be more feminine. So is testosterone and testosterone. Gay men have some of the best sex out there. So, you know, it's, it's, all, a, it's all a delicious stew to be eaten and savored. That's perfect. A stew. (laughs) Um, Like yourself, Susan, uh, at one point in my life, I was married for 24 years, and he was my one and only lover. And I've been divorced now for about five years. And I'm kind of coming to the conclusion at my age that I'm not 
probably going to be in another monogamous relationship. So I'm wondering, you know, strictly on a biological level, do you think human beings are really meant to be monogamous or is this just how society's made us? I think some people are meant to be monogamous, but a large variety of people and more and more as we are culturally emancipated from the patriarchal society that likes to keep us at home, <laughs> um, that more and more of us want uh, something open, something poly, something more. Monogamish, as they say. <laughs> do, you, do you have any advice for maybe someone who's been monogamous their whole life that's like you know, I know that you, you shared with us that you've had threesomes in your personal relationship. Is, is there yeah. any advice for like beginners out there that might sort of just be considering this for the first time? Yeah. Um, one thing to tell you in, 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 this is hindsight. So it's 2020, which is nice. I don't get a lot of that, <laughs> but, uh, um, what you want today will be different than what you want tomorrow. You are growing as a sexual being your entire life, and you're incrementing your knowledge, you're incrementing your skills, you're incrementing your orgasmic potential, all of those things. And so the first thing that you do in negotiating and any kind of an alternative to monogamy is you have a lot of conversations, you have a lot of fantasy talk, you have a lot of boundary talks, you have a lot of safe sex talks, you have a lot of running scenarios, what if? What if, what if my biggest fear is my biggest fear is my biggest fear is, you know, you do a lot of conversation. And then if you can come up with something that's an agreement, you go out and then you try to find someone to do stuff with. That takes a while because, you know, people are crazy and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they, they come and they go or whatever. They're in a different player. It wasn't what they thought or whatever. Whereas every once in a while, you find this really incredible lover and then stuff comes up. For the three of you, and you have to navigate that. The one thing they say about open and poly is you have to be very good at scheduling because <laughs> it takes a lot of scheduling and, and, and navigating that. And you have to be good at processing people's feelings and emotions. So if you can get into a situation where you don't mind schedules and you don't mind processing, that that's okay for you, then you're probably a good candidate for conscious non monogamy. Most people, they just cheat. Every, you know, like 60, I think Helen Fisher, also a great person for your show. She says that her estimate is that about 60% of people cheat instead of being consciously non-monogamous and that most people are serious, serially monogamous. They'll have one lover and then another lover and then another, and they'll cheat on the side and then they'll have another lover. And, another, and that's kind of the pattern in our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I have to be honest. This is Tamiko again. I would love to experience a threesome in my mind. You know, I think about it, but I've never actually acted on it. And there's some hesitancy inside me, even though I think it's completely okay. There's no shame in it. Um, I see a lot of benefits to it. I see that it can be hard too. But I guess you're a mom, so maybe you can understand or help me with this, that for some reason as a mom, I'm holding on to that it's not like a the right thing to do. I don't know what it is that's stopping me from actually, uh, you know, fulfilling this fantasy. Maybe I am afraid. I don't know. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are on my hesitation. Maybe it's not right for you right now. 
It Sometimes when you have little ones at home, uh, you need to put all your focus on nesting and parenting. And so it could be just something you develop over time as a really hot fantasy with your partner while you're making love, and you explore the possibilities there. Like my first question when you said that was, first of all, thank you for saying it. My first question was, man or woman, or something in, something a little in between, like where where's your... What's, what's turning you on right now? Is it a particular person that you saw? This is another fun game to play, which is, if I could have a threesome, who would I have it with? And you guys can go back and forth talking about who it might be, who turns you on, why do they turn you on, what would you do, what would be a scene? Even doing that right now for you could be very satisfying. So, you know, the time may come in the future when it just feels like the right thing to do with where you are as a mom. But my kids are 24 and 21, so I don't really have an excuse that they're little. So, but I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm and gonna further that something that was a limiting belief that someone laid in to yeah. your system that you picked up for some reason. So you'd want to examine it. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, there's nothing that is going to make any difference. Your children don't know anything about your sex life. They, they don't care. They're the last thing they want to know about. So, um, yeah, you could just examine that a little bit more. Okay. I will. Thank you. Yeah. So I have a question. I mean, we're talking about all the sex and people and multiple people. How do you have the STD conversation? Like, what's a great way? What's the least awkward way of getting that question out there? And like, when do you recommend doing it? And like, what's your stance on that? I hope you have one really hot, sexy question for me at the end, because we're going to go down into hell right now. <laughs> Promise me you'll ask me one sexy Later thing on. at the Maybe end. Maybe we should have started with that. answer it and leave at the end with this conversation. Promise? We will, for yeah, sure. Will. Okay, will. good. All right, great. <laughs> And maybe you like, could just give our listeners like the, the first level of hell instead of the ninth or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, I will. <laughs> okay. It, it, it really is. I constantly wrestle with how to advise people about sexually transmitted infections because there are over 20 sexually transmitted infections. And that does not include just like general stuff like getting Epstein-Barr, you know, which is mononucleosis or some random skin rash that's going from person to person. Like the thing is that condoms, they don't contain it all. I mean, a lot of stuff is skin-to-skin contact transmission. So there's two parts to this question. And one is you have to fit, you have to get really smart about What's what you could get and decide what your personal safe sex boundaries are. It could be that you are only going to have sex with someone who's fluid bonded and completely monogamous to you. And they would go get all their tests and then they would screen in and become a fluid bonded partner wherein you get all the benefits. Like, let's just say it's a, you're a woman and, and he's a man. Let's just do the, like the simple one. Um, that is, in that particular case, what's great about having him actually ejaculate inside you is that your vaginal mucosa is like a sponge that gets all kinds of wonderful things like serotonin, gives you a boost. You get testosterone from a guy, which is awesome. So let's just say you're on a like non-medicated IUD or you're using fertility awareness or you're just understand by your vaginal uh uh, secretions when you're ovulating because you're tracking it. So, you know, maybe you use condoms only once in a while or whatever. And so 
that's a pretty safe way to have sex, have all your STDs and then have a fluid bonded monogamous relationship. But if you're in, in the time of your life when you want to have a number of sexual partners, and believe me, I want you to have lots of great partners because you learn something or many things from every partner you ever have. If it's bad, you learn what you don't like. If it's good, you learn new things you like. So when you're talking about having sex with someone and you wanted to have the talk, the sexual history talk, the STD talk, whatever it might be, you can do it one of two ways. One way you can do it is just to sit down and have the talk. But for a lot of people, that feels like too much for them. Now, I can tell you that practice makes perfect. So the more you do it, the easier it gets. And let's just say, you know, you've got herpes or something like that, which a lot of people do. Um, you may decide that's an STD. You may decide, oh, so many people have it. I don't care if I get it or I already have it. I don't care or whatever, right? So there's other things you have to think about in what you have, what you don't have, what you've had, you know, there's pieces of it for you that are your personal decision. But one other thing that you can do is you can just slowly drip the questions out over time. So one time you talk to them and you say, hey, you know, uh, what are your safe sex practices? And then the next time you can say, when was the last time you were tested? Have you ever been tested? Have you ever tested positive for any STIs? How many partners have you been having recently? How many partners have you had since your last STD test? Um, were they men? Were they women? Have you ever had homosexual? Do you have anal sex with people? You know, like you can ask whatever you want to ask so that you get the information you need to decide what's right for you. Um, and then also, I think it's really important to have the sexual boundaries conversation as well. You know, what what's in and what's out for you for sex. Like, I don't ever want anal. Don't get anything near my butthole or whatever it might be, you know? So, um I think dripping it or just ripping it like a Band-Aid is probably <laughs> your two yeah. Dripping or ripping, you know? that's great. So what about if we have uh, an STI um, for our listeners out there who are saying, yeah, I, I do want to know what's what's happening with my partner, but also I have something to share with them. What are the words that I use when when is the appropriate time? What number date is it when I say, oh, hey, guess what? Um, do you have any recommendations on that? Yeah, it's whatever date is right for you. If if it's a booty call, you have it right then and there. Maybe even before they come over or you go over, you have that conversation. Hey, I want to see your test results and I want to know how many people you've had sex with since then. And here's the thing. Unfortunately, a lot of people have unprotected sex and they don't they don't say it. They don't say it. They lie. A lot of people lie. And so no matter how fastidious you are, it always comes down to integrity. And so you have to be the judge of that too. They could have a great STD test and then they could be barebacking a bunch of people that you don't even know anything about. And that, oh yeah, that nice girl, I, I, ha I had sex with her without a condom. She probably doesn't have anything. She could be the biggest slut in the universe because she's so unconscious about her sex that she's like having sex with a bunch of people with no conversation. You just, you can't, you can. the thing is, there's no way to control it. There's no way to have certainty. All you can do is the best you can do and hope to hell you don't give or get anything. What but, I, could, but this is how you do it. You have these conversations. Got it. What, what, what I'm curious about is if you have something. Yeah. When do you bring it up? So right, what I what heard you, you say is pretty much um, right away <laughs> before yeah, before sex happens, find a time that feels right for you. 
Yeah, I would say, um, you know, I've had to have this conversation many times over many years because I have herpes, both genital and oral. And my boyfriend, when I was 20, cheated on me and gave me genital herpes. And so I've had many a lump in my throat having this conversation over the years. And I can tell you that it gets easier with practice. And if you are the kind of sensitive person who understands when you're going to have an outbreak, and, you know, I've been fluid bonded with my husband for 25 years and he's never gotten it because I know when it's coming. I'm one of those people. You could have sex with someone who doesn't think they have herpes and they're a shedder and they have no outbreaks. I mean, it's just, like I said, you can't control it. You just have to do the best you can. So I'm always for, as soon as you know there's a sexual spark and the possibility of having sex is there, you just have to say it. Hey, I want to let you know I have genital herpes, but whatever your story is, I'm really good at managing it. I'll know when I have it. I've never given it to anyone that I'm aware of. I think it's safe. You know, whatever your thing is, that's how I handled it was. I just gulped, got a lump in my throat and just fricking said it because I'm a responsible, reliable woman of integrity. Nice. You've been... You've been using the word fluid bonded. What what yeah. does that mean? <laughs> Wet sex. That means no condom. Um, it means you can share all your fluids. And that's really, really when sex is good. Sex is a wet business, you know, between ejaculations and spit and, you know, all that stuff. And so when you can share bodily fluids without worrying, um, it's honestly the most healthy for you as long as you're not going to conceive if you've got a, you know, contraceptive plan, a good plan. Um, it, it can be very, very healthy to have a partner who's fluid bonded, who's screened in, who's done all their tests. You've done all your tests. They're not having sex with anyone else. You're not, or it's a group. Maybe there's a polyamorous fluid bonded group and there's three of you or four of you or five of you. And some of you are having sex, but no one's having sex outside the circle. This is the way to protect your yourselves. Five people. Five people. <laughs> well, this is this has been really awesome, and I know that we want to. We definitely want to end the show on an up note. <laughs> right. Um, and and I know that you know. I want what I want to ask you is two things. So I know that you have a really juicy surprise for our listeners today, yeah. and I just want to put in like if there was one, you know, in your whole sexpertise, you're a total sex expert. If there was one like really juicy, awesome thing you wanted to leave our listeners with, what would that be? Well, I led the front of the show with both the gift and the best thing I could tell you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let me think about something else that I could tell you that would make a big difference for you. Okay. Um, It's really women who, who are listening to your show more, more than, more than men, don't you think? We we no, we have a combination of listeners, and we're always speaking into the listening of both men, men, women, and kind of everything in between. So, mm-hmm. so what whatever comes up. Okay, um, gosh, I'm trying to think because you know the, the 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 problem is that sex is nineteen to ninety nine across the gender spectrum around the world. Like the what you you asking me like the one thing is like it's so difficult when my mind is like. Ex- Exploded with information that I could right. give you. If you could just just tell me like one little Ooh. tidbit I can hang Was off it, of. Is it like a emo- get like the one thing that's going to satisfy everybody? My God, you know that's like how do I do that? Yeah, I mean for me personally, I feel like the best sex I have is always based on like some deep emotional connection. 
and the techniques of it is the techniques of it. And sometimes somebody can use the same technique on you and doesn't feel as good as the person that you're actually connected to. So for me, it's definitely connection that that's my thing. So Susan, could you leave us with your most recent juiciest experience? The one where when you're in your office or at groceries shopping and you, you think of that experience, you just smile and get, get juiced up all of a sudden. Do you have one of those you could leave us with? Or maybe you think about it in the shower. <laughs> you, you like wet sex. <laughs> um, well, let's see. I would say last weekend. Now, I schedule sex. I'm a big believer in carving out the time, putting it on the calendar. I am the CEO of a company. I've got 25 employees. You know, we're busy launching some new products, etc. Yeah. And so I really like scheduled sex. And I like the anticipation of looking forward to it. I like the room to be just the right temperature. I like all of my lubes and oils to be there. And I like to have lots of different orgasms. So often what I'd say this is kind of one of my favorite go-to routines is first, my husband gives me an expanded orgasm date and I just get to lay there and get my pussy stroked and he'll do it until he needs to stretch out his legs. So like 20 minutes, half hour, and that'll Mm -hmm. set in a really nice kind of base of of engorgement. He spends a lot of time massaging my belly, my thighs, my ass, pulling. He literally moves the blood with his hands into my yoni area. And he strokes all on the outside first before he ever touches my clitoris. He understands that a woman needs to be made love to from the outside in. Uh, It's the bullseye. The guys, they want you to immediately, most men generally want you to immediately touch their penis. So they think if they immediately touch your clit, they're doing the right thing. But that's way too much for women generally. And so my husband knows that he just slowly warms me up and then he gives me this expanded orgasm date. He goes up under the hood 20 minutes after he's started touching me, he's up under the hood, right off the left side. If you're looking down at your clit, right off the left side, under the hood, right on that little juicy nub of clit. And he strokes that. You mentioned the other day, uh, touching the clit like you, you somebody said an, uh, an eyebrow, but it's actually your eyeball. You touch it like you're getting a lash off your eyeball, that soft with the tip of your finger. And you just stroke and stroke and stroke and stroke very lightly. This is why we have, you know, when we talk about all those nerve endings of the clit, we're so sensitive that that's why vibes blow our clit out and actually delay our ability to learn how to have all these orgasms. I like vibrators at the end of sex. That's like my cherry on the top, not the way I get off. And so I've had to learn how to get all those, have all those other orgasms. And then at the very end, if I still have any come left in me, I use the vibrator. But he starts off with that wonderful expanded orgasm date. And then 
it kind of opens me up and I like to make out with him. I like to go down on him. I like, he likes to go down on me. Then we like to have intercourse. A lot of times we start just by him holding me. Um, we, we do different sex positions and we'll spend, you know, three or four or five hours making love, taking breaks, having a bite. We have a pitcher of water. We hydrate. We get up. We pee. We rest. We go back to it. And I really love those experiences because I can have tons and tons and tons and tons of orgasms very leisurely without any pressure. And um, I think that that's one of the things I enjoy the most is all, is that kind of like expansiveness of pleasure. Five hours. No wonder you're hot and oh, in yeah. good shape. And one more Jeez. we call, at the end, we have this thing we call finger fucking bling. It's my last final thing after he's fucked me really, really well and I've had all those orgasms. He'll put his fingers up inside my vaginal canal and he'll stroke my G area and he can always find my G, like the one spot. <laughs> she is in love with her husband. The right pressure. <laughs> and right after I've had all those other kinds of orgasms and all that great sex, he just gives me that final, unbelievably explosive G spot orgasm. Sometimes I ejaculate, sometimes I don't, but Whoo! And then basically, I flop on the bed, and it takes me like a half hour to get even to sit up again. <laughs> I didn't want to miss the yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Over the years, Susan, I've watched so many of your videos, and I just want to say thank you for really what you've put out there. For both, you know, married people as well as single, it's been really helpful. And you do it in such an authentic way, and you look really fucking good doing it. (laughs) Ah, thank you so much. That makes me feel great. Okay, great. (laughs) So I'd like to invite you, Susan, to join in with us as we come to a close, chanting the sacred word, pussy. Pussy. Just the three of us, we can have sex if we try. Just the three of us, you and I, and you also. Um, so Susan, thank you so much. We, we found Susan through Instagram and, um, really created, I learned so much today. We just really wanted to thank you for coming on the show. You are a wealth of knowledge, truly a sex expert. I am definitely going to take advantage of the free gift that you're giving us and our listeners. Um, so Susan has a very special gift for all of you today. It is the sexual soulmate pact, and it's a bedroom communication skill that honors the wild animal of desire inside of all of us. You can um, find that and her at sexualsoulmatepact.com. And you can find Susan on her Instagram, which is at Susan Branton, and that is spelled S-U-S-A-N-B-R-A-T-T-O-N. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Susan, and thank you for your fantastic gift for all of our listeners. I'm really looking forward to taking advantage of it. You're all darlings, thank and you. I love the name of your show. When I saw Clit Talk, I'm like, oh, I love to talk about clits. I got to go on the show. Clit Talk. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, you beautiful women. Did you just love this episode of Clit Talk? Well, shit, then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe, but only if you want amazing orgasms. Also, while you're over there, 
please rate us and leave a review. But again, only if we're open to incredible sex and amazing relationships. And if you email us a screenshot of your review to clittalkcontest at gmail.com, you will be automatically entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We can't wait to give you some free shit.